Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Troy stepping in mightily there. Lloyd giving it away to Cook. Here's Sway. There's Aylock. Played onside by Kenny Burns. And Aylock going all the way in there. Tremendous goal. Hello Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day Podcast, I am delighted once again to welcome this individual on the show today. He made 32 appearances for Chelsea, scoring two goals, and he played in the same Chelsea team as the likes of Mickey Droy, Ian Britton and Ray Wilkins. Here is Trevor Aylett. Trevor, welcome to the show, in lovely settings I have to say. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay, Keith. Thank you very much and thanks for the invitation onto the show. Pleasure's all mine, Trevor. And again, you know, lovely to see you sort of face-to-face. Normally with the interviews I've yep. done, it's been over the computer, but it's nice to sort of see you in person. I want to start the interview, if I can, Trevor, by asking you who were your influences growing up when you decide, when you first decided to become a professional footballer? What, my footballing hero, you mean? Yeah. Well, my football, or my all-time football hero was Bobby Charlton. You know, I played, obviously played for Man United and... Um, in my opinion, he's still the greatest English player there's ever, Bobby Charlton. And, you know, obviously coming from Bermondsey, everyone played football in the street. Always loved football. And uh, in them days, it was, that's what that's how you learnt your basic skill, skills now, really. And it was great. So, obviously going to school and playing for the school teams and you really start to take it seriously when you go to secondary school, when you get into onto the proper playing fields with proper organised football, that's when, you know, the serious, you think, well, I'd love to do this, or you think, well, I might, this is not for me, but I always wanted to play, play football. Did you have a position in mind when you was growing up and you wanted to become a footballer, or was it just a case of see how it goes later on and then maybe pick a position? No, no, I, you know, I started off as a midfield player, believe it or not. Um, as I said, my, my hero was Bobby Charlton, and... Um, I, when I, I went to Chelsea as a schoolboy, as a midfield player, but I just kept growing. And uh, eventually, I was, you know, it wasn't really a decision I made myself. The, the coaching staff 
basically kept pushing me further and forth, further forward. So I ended up as a centre forward. And I, you know, when I played midfield, I, you know, I, you know, in my opinion, I was quite had quite a lot of natural talent. And uh, but you know, obviously, you have to listen to what the coaches want. And uh, as I say, that's how I ended up as a centre forward because I grew f so physically big. Now, the academy set up at Chelsea was obviously a lot different then to, to what it is now. What are your sort of favourite memories of sort of being part of that Chelsea youth side with the players that you had as well? Because there was quite a few interesting names in that setup as well. Well, when I signed Apprentice, I think it was in 1974, there was maybe 12 apprentices, 12 or 13 apprentices. I loved it because you're, you're getting paid to play football, even though you're doing all the, the menial, horrible jobs of cleaning the boots, sweeping the terracing. You're still playing football. And all the, all the lads, all the schoolboys that signed Apprentice with me, I'd known for two or three years, so we were all friends. And I loved it. You know, what's, what's, to be, what's not to like? And uh, as you say, there was... Of the 12 that I signed Apprentice with, I think four actually went on to make first-team appearances. That would have been myself, Tommy Langley, David Stride, God bless him, who sadly passed away, and Lee Frost. So there was four just from that group of apprentices that was ended up going on to make pro and make first-team appearances in the first team. And it would be that you would make your debut for the club quite incredibly, it's 45 years ago this year against Newcastle United in the old First Division. Yes. What are your memories on that occasion? Well, the, I actually started the game, well, I didn't start the game, I, I was substitute. You know, I, I ended up coming on, I can't remember, I think we lost the game. But I remember coming on as a substitute, I thought, in, you know, I finally get, just, if I'd never played again after that, I could say I played in the first team at Newcastle. And I just, you know, we, we went out, we lost the game. I can't remember a lot about the game, to be quite honest with you. And because um, I, I think I made a play 20, 25 minutes at the end. And um, yeah, got on, uh, played me, my full debut was the following week. But that would be my de debut, yeah. You mentioned Ken Shaletto. He was the manager at the time. What was he like to work under and what was he like as a human being? Ken was a great fellow because I, you know, he used to take the the schoolboys because he was the youth team coach, and he actually took the the mid the Tuesday Thursday nights training with the other the, the other the coaches weren't full time like Ken was, but Ken would be the he would be there. So I'd known Ken for three or four years, went through the youth team with him, and I, he was a great fella, lovely man, as, you know. And I didn't know him as a player, but apparently he was a great player in his time, and sadly got a terrible injury that finished his career. I think he was about 21, 22 when he finished his career. And he was, people tell me that he was probably the best right back in, in England at the time and would have been in, in the World Cup winning team of 66 if he hadn't got the injury that he got. But I, Ken, for me, was great. He was great. He, you could always, uh, his training was good. He was a great coach. He was um, a lovely man. Now, you would go on to score your first goal for Chelsea in a 1-0 win over Bristol City. Yeah. Big game. Do you remember your goal much from that occasion? That's about all I can remember. I remember the excitement of making your full debut at Stamford Bridge. You know, the crowd um, buzzing. You, you know, went out and 
I think it was Charlie Cook actually crossed it from the right-hand side. I think it was Cookie. Just to say you played in the same team as Charlie Cook is a big deal. And I remember the ball just coming. And it was a long way out, actually. It was, I was probably 12 or 13 yards out. And I just uh, got a great header on it, and it went straight in the top corner. I don't think I've, that's the, you know, I've scored a few goals with my head, but that was definitely the furthest, the furthest out that I scored with a header from, you know. But I, I think it was Charlie that crossed it. Yes, and the next time you scored would be against Nottingham Forest, who at that time were quite big at the time. You know, they had some well-established players, and in fact, some. Um, supporters of the podcast actually still talk to me about that particular game where you did score the winner. That must have certainly helped your confidence knowing it was back-to-back games for you and you managed to score the winner in, in both games. Well, it was good and bad. The good thing was, obviously, it's great to score. Uh, and it, that, that Nottingham Forest team were, I think they went on to be European, double European champions. They won, They won the old first division. So they were... It was them and Liverpool that were the best teams in England at that time. Probably in Britain, well, they would have been the best teams in Britain for sure. And you, and obviously they won two European Cups as well. It's the same side. And uh, to score score a goal in that, to score the winner the following week was great. And believe it or not, not a lot of people know that both goals were scored in the 55th minute. The goal against Bristol City was scored in the 55th minute. And so was the goal against Nottingham Forest. Someone pointed out to me, I didn't know. Someone pointed that out to me, and it's just a strange coincidence. That was the good side. The bad side, it was a hell of a start to try and follow up. You know, that was difficult because everybody knew you. You know, it was talk about playing for England after two games, crazy. You know, and, you know, you start getting compared with Peter Osgood, which was a crazy, crazy thing to do. So it was a diff. it was great to, to have the experience of doing it. But trying to follow it up was much more difficult. Because you had a good run in the team as well from that point. You was in the side a lot. You was consistently playing. This must have sort of made you feel 10 feet tall, knowing that you was able to play week in, week out for Chelsea. Massive crowds. And again, in the first division. Obviously, in that side, there were some great young players and some really great old Chelsea Legends like Ron Harris, Peter Benetti was playing in goal. Um, Charlie Cook was in that side. Mickey Mickey Joy was playing, so it was a it was a great experience. And then you had the great Ray Wilkins playing in midfield. Um, Kenny Swain was a good good Stanners, Gary Stanley in Britain, Ray Lou, Tommy. This that's like good. Uh, great that there was old older players, that, people that you watched on TV yourself. Nice mix. You know, because Ron Harris is the same age. I remember watching Ron Harris playing in the cup final against Tottenham in as a kid. And then you, all of a sudden, you're playing at Stamford Bridge with Ronnie Harris, you know, and Peter Bonetti. So it was, it was, it was great. And then to have young players in the side as well that you've, that you've known for 10 years possibly, and obviously, the right Ray Wilkins was the jewel in the crown. Obviously, great player. Sadly, gone as well. You know, that's a big, big, big sad loss. That is really. For those that never saw Ray play, what was he like, and what was he like at the training ground as well, away from the crowds and the cameras? 
Well, Ray Wilkins is, was a true gentleman of the game. He really was. He he would he would help you. He could be nasty on the field. He'd give you a rollicking if you, if you give the ball away or you did something. But he'd be the first one to pat you on the back if you did something right. right. If, you, if you scored a goal or you made a good pass, he'd give you a wink or give you a good slap on the backside or something like that. He was a he was just a terrific man on on and off the field. He really was. And I was super, I was actually surprised that he went into management and coaching because he was too nice. Because so, I don't think sometimes you, um, you know, you've not the character. If you've got, it's got to be a bit more spiky, and Ray wasn't like that. But he was. He still proved to be a good coach, and a good manager. So, you know, as I said, I couldn't speak highly of more highly than of Ray than that. And speaking of coaches, Ken left Chelsea a couple of, about a year or two after your debut, and Danny Blanchflower came in to replace him do you remember sort of the the reaction to that was there sort of a little bit of positivity around it with the change or was there what was the dressing room atmosphere like for for that decision well obviously when someone gets the sack and ken had been there his whole working life basically he signed as an apprentice footballer there and he was i don't know how old ken was when he left but he spent best part of 30 years at the club Everybody, he was like part of the furniture and everyone was really sad to see Ken leave. But football is such a cutthroat business that, you know, a few, a few results go the wrong way and there's no, they, don't, they don't give you really the time. And, and they appointed Danny, who was, strangely enough, he was a journalist. He wasn't even involved in football, Danny Blanchflower. He was a, 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 almost like a football pundit. And a journalist, he was a very intelligent man. Don't get me wrong. And when he, he had a massive reputation as well as a, a big, you know, English star for Tottenham and Ireland who he played for. So he was a massive name in the game, but not in football management. But so it was strange. That was strange. And he came. His training methods were different. He spent a lot of time. They possibly made, made, made do this more now. But he was. He used to sit in the classroom before you go. Not a classroom in in a room, looking at stuff on slides and on blackboards, and no one had ever done that before that, that I knew of. And Danny used to do that, so you'd spend a, an hour in a in a classroom before you'd go out training. And um, but strangely enough, when Danny came to the club, I got on really well with Danny, and um, he pulled me to one side one day after training. I think it was in McCourt there at Hampton Court. And he's pulled me to one side and he went, have you ever played in midfield? So I said, well, yes, Dan. I said, I started him. When I joined here as a schoolboy, he was as a midfield player. He said, well, I'd like to try and convert you back to midfield in a sort of like a Ray Kennedy type type of player. He said, you remind me a lot of Ray Kennedy. You know, although Ray Kennedy was left for he said, you've got the same sort of build. And you, you know, you're quite, you're quite good on the ball, and you're a big physical presence. I'd like to, and he actually reverted me a few games back into midfield, which is strange, because everyone, because when Danny left, I, I was put back up front again. But Danny did experiment with me playing back in midfield. Did you enjoy that change of position for you? Did you feel more of a freshness with that, and did you think that that would possibly give you more of a chance to be in the first team on a consistent basis? Well, funny enough, the first time he tried it, 
we played New York Cosmos in a friendly at Stanford Bridge. And he came up to me, he said, I want you to keep tabs on Cruyff. I went, oh, thank you, thanks very much. This is my first game back in midfield. And I've got a Mark Johan Cruyff. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's what he did. And I played that game against the Cosmos. And they had Franz Beckenbauer in that side. And, and they had um, the big Italian, Giorgio Ginaglia, the old Italian centre forward. They had a really good side. And it was a bit of a baptism of fire, to be honest, because although Cruyff, he retired young. He could have, because Chelsea tried to sign him after that game. They actually tried to talk him out of retirement to play for Chelsea, but they couldn't. Cruyff wasn't interested, but he was like one of the greatest players of all time. And he retired in, I think he was 31, 32. So he's still playing. So he was still a great player, even though he was playing for Cosmos. So that was my baptism back in midfield at Chelsea. <laughs> and strangely enough, I've got a, uh, there's a fellow called Rodney George. I don't, you may know Rodney. He's, I know Rodney. He's, he, he had some, he phoned me, oh, it's got to be three or four years ago. He said, Trev, I've got some, some pictures, black and white pictures of Chelsea playing against the Cosmos. And I didn't know they existed. He said, would you like me to uh, get them done for you? I said, oh, yes, please. And he sent me these photographs, all framed with Cruyff. I was, I was trying to tackle Johan Cruyff. Another one I was trying to tackle Beckenbauer. And another one, I can't remember what the, oh, the other one was my goal against Bristol City. And he sent me these photographs that I didn't know existed. And it was, I thought, oh, what, that was the best Christmas present I ever had, I think. It was great. And we've got them up in, my wife won't let me put fo football memorabilia about. And I said, well, I'm insisting on these big pictures going up on the wall. And now they're up in our conservatory. So, yeah. Superb. That's fantastic. <laughs> There was a season, unfortunately, where Chelsea went on a horrible run where it was defeat after defeat and the club would end up being relegated from the first division. Did you have any doubts at this point in your time at Chelsea that you think your future at the club may lie elsewhere because of the fact Chelsea did go down to the second division? You had that thought every club you go to. You really do, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's not it's a job that is... One manager might like you, he may move on, and you get another manager that don't. So it's, you never feel comfortable. If, you know, Chelsea, obviously, because I was there for the longest time, you know, I signed at 14 or 13 and left at 20 or something like that, or 21. So I was there for 10 years, but obviously not all in, in the first team. But you never could relax and think, well, I'm a, I'm a fixture here. Some players could, like Ray Wilkins being one of that group, right? Because he was he was an outstanding player, and he knew that um, if he went on the transfer list, a, a top club would come in for him. So there there was certain players there that had, and there's others that are really battling just to stay in the first team. So you've not really got any uh, security as such. You're just tr trying to get in the, for the next game, basically. But there are other players that have a certain clubs. Now I had clubs where I was more of a regular and almost like one of the first names on the on the team sheet but Chelsea wasn't one of the clubs where I was because when I was playing there they had some tremendous uh, you know, I know you're saying we got relegated but I can name uh, when I signed as an apprentice they had Peter Osgood, Ian Hutchinson, Bill Garner, Chris Garland, Steve Finiston, Tommy Langley, Tommy Baldwin all for 
four or five places. Quite a big list, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? So yeah, you cannot feel obviously Aussie moved on, uh, Hutch um, moved on, and Tommy Ball because they was all older. But you, you know when I first went there, you've got seven or eight experienced first team players fighting for four. You had two two players in the first team playing up front and two in the reserves. So I've just named seven or eight yeah. there. And then you've got the likes of myself, Tommy, Tommy Langley, Teddy Maybank, Jock Finiston, all trying to dislodge these older players, you know, if that makes sense. Because that season we did go into the second division. You started the season in the Chelsea side. You was you was one of the first names on, on, the, on the team sheet we've, we've, we've discussed. Did you think because of the fact that Chelsea did go down one division and you were starting well and there was obviously expectation that Chelsea would go back up, that you would be able to play week in, week out, and you did find it more comfortable being part of the Chelsea team then? No, the opposite, actually, because Jeff Hurst came in, and Jeff Hurst made it quite clear that I wasn't his cup of tea. He, you know, he was, um, don't get me wrong, he was, Jeff Hurst was a great player. I mean, you know, he's a tremendous, big character, but Jeff, you know, uh, you know, I love Chelsea, so I've got a little bit of a grudge against Jeff first because he sold me. But you know, credit to him, he pulled me to one side and he said to me, "You know, I'm not, you're not for me." He, you know, they, you know, he, he he didn't compare me with Tommy Langley or or Jock or anything, but he, he mentioned Gary Johnson. I don't even remember Gary Johnson. Yeah, Gary Johnson. So. You know, and I thought, well, and I'm not knocking Gary Johnson at all. I was a friend with Gary Johnson, but I'm thinking, if you think Gary Johnson is a better player than me, then I've got to leave. And that's how it was. So he wasn't, um, and I was I was choked because Chelsea's my team, knew everybody, and I've got on well with Gary. I've got on well with Gary Johnson. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking Gary at all. I'm just saying that's what that's who I was compared with. That Jeff Hurst preferred. He said I prefer Gary Johnson. So I went, okay. And then that was I knew my days were numbered at Chelsea. Because you left, as you said, shortly after his arrival, you went to join Barnsley. Yes. And you've mentioned sort of briefly on the factors behind the decision. Was there perhaps a way you could have maybe, you know, looked at other clubs? Was there was there other clubs in for you as well, or was it just was it just a one and? Do you remember what the two, what your teammates' reactions were for you, you to leave? Well, I remember going up to Barnsley because um, Chelsea were then in the second division and Barnsley were in the third division. But they had I went to I went I saw a, I went up to, I wasn't because I'm a London boy and I've got to be honest I'm not blaming everyone else for my departure from Chelsea because I did get I went wayward. You know I mean I wasn't as dedicated you know playing I, you know you always take things for granted. I wasn't looking after myself as, as well as I, sh I should have done. And I needed to kick up the backside to get me back on track again. And um, what happened was I got a phone call. I, you may remember Alan, the great Alan Clark, Sniff Clark at Leeds. Oh, he was one of the all-time great goal scorers in English football, Alan Clark. And Norman Hunter, you may have remember. Yes. They was both in the... He was player manager, Alan Clark, played up front. And Norman Hunter was playing at back and Mick McCarthy was in that side. And I went up and I saw a game at Oakwell and there was 
um, it's only a small old fashioned ground. There was 15,000 and it was buzzing. And when I spoke to Alan Clark afterwards, I'm thinking he, he really sold me the club. He was, he was, he, it was his first managerial job. He was 35, still playing, and he sold me the club. He said, "I've got," and he had a fellow playing in midfield that you will probably not have heard of—a fellow called Ronnie Glavin. They signed him from Celtic. He's the best goal-scoring midfield player I've ever played with. He scored 56 goals from midfield in three seasons. 26 one season this is from midfield bearing in mind and we just had it we he just got a group of players together that was and i watched it and the buzz in the crowd was tr tremendous and I, I i went back with and it reignited my desire i think and i thought i've got to i've got to leave chelsea because the manager's not going to pick me i can't rot away in the reserves i'm getting out of london to get me lifestyle back in, um, you know, because I was probably having a drink when I shouldn't have been doing, because playing for Chelsea is a big, um, it's in a great, it's in a tremendous area. Not you know, you go to Chelsea, it's like, you know, I'm assuming something like Nice is in the south of France, but the French players all want to play for Nice. Yes. Everyone yes. wants to play for Chelsea, because it's got that buzz about it, the, the, the Hollywood buzz about Chelsea. So, obviously, you know, I wasn't, doing the right things and I, I thought I've got to get away so I went to South Yorkshire and it was a massive culture shock so it made me concentrate on my football <laughs> and don't get me wrong I love Barnsley because they were great for me they completely resurrected my career and uh, they had a really good side we got promoted the first season and I remember playing my second season away from Chelsea we did the double over Chelsea and I've, I've got to be honest there, I've got to be honest, that felt so great. Chelsea came to Oakwell when we won, and then we won at Stanford Bridge as well, the following season after I left, or maybe the season after. But it was a great, um, it's not revenge, it's, it's just satisfaction, as though you've proved something wrong, you know? When you was in that Barnsley side that beat Chelsea twice, did you speak to any of like your former colleagues or did you sort of maybe have a quick sort of one, two word uh, conversation with Jeff Hurst or was it just a case of you're Barnsley now and you know, that's no, it? No, 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 because what, what I did, I, I thought it was a lovely touch because they made me captain for the day, oh, wow. which was tremendous, which is great. You know, when they made me captain and it was a Saturday game. So I stayed down in London over the weekend. He gave me a couple of days off, especially after beat, after winning the game as well. You know, I mean, he'd already said you can have Monday off, come back Tuesday. And I'm, I'm thinking, if we get beat here, I'm back Monday. You know what I mean? And we ended up winning the game. So I had loads of time. I spent time with all the, all the lads after the game. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to touch on today's football, today's Chelsea. Before I discuss about the current team something that I've asked all my guests and it's sort of a big topic of discussion. Some people like it, some people hate it. Trevor, what's your view of VAR? Are you a fan of it? Do you oppose it? If there's something you would change about it, what would there be? I hate it with a passion. I think it's spoiling the game okay. because there's too many players are scoring goals now and they're not even celebrating. They're looking around thinking, is it going to go to VAR? Is it this? Is it that? The spontaneity of scoring a goal was gone. 
And fans aren't celebrating either. Screamer, I mean, and if you if you added something in the box and this is a bit of a, a battle for the ball, did he foul him? Did he not foul him? Has the keeper fouled him? And or have you fouled the keeper? I think he spoiled the game. I really do. Um, I I only thought it was for goal line technology. You know, you could tell whether the ball goes over the line or not. That's all I thought it was going to be for. But for the what 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 they're actually using it for is it's just spoiled the game because the the, the flow of the game goes. Because sometimes you can stop for three or four minutes, and they've turned a very entertaining game, and all of a sudden they're trying to pick up the rhythm of the game again because they've spent three or four minutes mulling over a decision, you know, and I just think the referees are, you know, want to hide into nothing because there's cameras everywhere. You know, they're trying to make a decision on their own because they're frightened of being overruled and, you know, made to look a mug. But, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Players make mistakes. Referees, it's part of the game. And I just, I don't understand it. I really don't. Now, one thing we have to need to talk about is the current day Chelsea, and at the moment, it's a little bit of a change of change of manager and a change seems of how we're playing. It's a big sort of couple of games coming up before the World Cup. What's been your view on Chelsea this season, and sort of what do you predict for them going forward? Well, I've only I've saw the, I saw the Manchester United game, which I've, I've got to be honest was poor. You know, it wasn't very... I was really looking forward to the match because Man United had just beaten Spurs midweek, played really well. Chelsea had played really well on the, on the Saturday. And the game I just found was like almost cancelled each other out. Um, obviously, Tuchel leaving was a bit of a surprise. Um, I don't... Didn't know him, but he obviously he's won the European... He won the European Cup. I still call it the European <laughs> Cup. So, obviously, that's a... He's obviously a very, very, very good manager, um, and the club's gone into transmission, uh, transition over the ownership. But what I am pleased that Chelsea have done is they've actually given a young English manager a top job, and I take my hat off them for that, you know, because everyone wants to sign foreign managers, and and uh, I just feel that uh, you know we've got some good managers Eddie Howe for instance he's done a tremendous job at Newcastle um, he would have been my pick for England manager actually before Gareth Southgate but that's neither here nor there I'm so pleased Chelsea have given Graham Potter a, a, an opportunity he's a young Englishman he's got loads of um, get up and go about him obviously he's did a great job at Brighton and hopefully he'll do the same for Chelsea at the moment, Chelsea are sort of outside like the Europe Champions League places. We've got big games coming up. Do you think Chelsea will have a successful season or do you think this will be one where this is more of a, a building period? Difficult to say. Um, you know, Obviously, Chelsea have got some great players. They've got a new manager. It's been a transitional period with Mr. Abramovich leaving. Um, but they've got the players to certainly make the top four. You know, I'm not, you know, because Tottenham are second or third, and they've been, and they've been pretty awful. You know, I watched them against Manchester United; they were awful, and I'm, and apparently they've been awful a lot this season. Yet they're still hanging on in there. Yeah. So I'm, there's what are we, you know, quarter the way through the season, third? I don't know. I don't know how many games we've played. How many? Oh, how many oh, games? Um, I'm not sure. So we're yeah. just over halfway through the season. So there's plenty of time to go. 
And hopefully, you know, there's there's still, you know, Champions League place there for grabs. And obviously the European uh, the European Cup is still there. They've won their league, their group. So had a good result last night. Mm. You know, it's nice to come back after you know, I was I was pretty shocked at the four one result at Brighton, I've got to be honest. I didn't expect that. You weren't the only one. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't expect that. But to, to win a European game in midweek afterwards is a you know big deal, believe me. Now, last question, Trevor. How do you look back on your time at Chelsea? Oh, great memories. Great memories. You know, I've had a great time there. Um, and even now, still get invited back. You know, I said I saw the Manchester United game at the... Use the club's hospitality suite. They're brilliant for that. I still get a Christmas get a Christmas hamper every year, and uh, a few players have told me. Yes, that. Yeah, yeah. yes. Well, I don't want to say it because they sent me two last year, <laughs> so don't I don't want any of the uh, the office staff to hear this. So uh, yeah, but uh, you know I get invited back to the games. They have an annual dinner every year where we have a meet with the, the players, that, and it's mainly the players of my era as well because the older players. And now I've got a little bit, you know, like players like Ronnie Demps. Uh, although I saw Cookie at Charlie Cook at the Memorial Day for the Peter Benetti, and he looked great. And um, but it's a lot of players from my era, and it's just a shame that the annual dinner's not going ahead this year because of the World Cup. They normally do it at the end of November. It's, 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 and I, you know, it's normally at that round that time. And now it's not going ahead because of the World Cup. So that's a real shame. Because as I say, that's the time when I meet up with all the boys, like Johnny Bumstead and Patesy, Chivs, yeah. um, all them guys, Jock, Swaney. I could name 20 players from that era that played first. And we all seem to gather. I think everyone feels the same about that particular yeah. do. So it's a real shame it ain't going ahead. But my great, I love, you know, it's still ongoing. Our relationship is not mm. broken. It's still there. And I love my time at Chelsea. And I appreciate that for giving me the opportunity to play for them. Well, Trevor, it's been an absolute pleasure interviewing you. Obviously, in different circumstances to what I'm used to. But it's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you very much. And hopefully, you know, we'll see you down at the bridge soon yeah hopefully Chelsea will have a uh, decent season absolutely I couldn't agree more I'd love them to have a great season and uh, long may it continue Trevor all the best cheers Keith thank you Podcast Network.